good enough. Well, the conversation always. Oh, I will allow it. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta log into my Twitter while we're talking. Hi, my name is David, and you're listening to our podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna let my co-hosts introduce themselves now. Ah, oh, this is so good. It's staircase to nowhere. My name is Noah. So good to let you hear us because you can't see us. Ugh. They can't see us. Ugh. Doesn't work like that. You don't know that. They could have spy cameras. <gasps> I'm Sam. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for Staircase to Nowhere. Today, uh, we are updating and talking more about the Asbury outpouring. Oh, how relevant. <laughs> don't get it twisted. <laughs> Is And we have so many more questions from our last conversation. So we're really glad that you want to join us and be a part of this journey. Uh, David, how are you doing? How is uh, preparing for the grand event of Lent? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Since this episode will be coming out in two years, you'll be a little bit confused. Uh, But we are currently recording this the day before Ash Wednesday. Some people call this Mardi Gras. Today's Fat Tuesday. Yes. I did not have any king cake today. I did not partake in any way. I thought about going to Yats today. Yats, sponsor us. We're looking for sponsors. That is delicious Cajun food, just so everyone knows, but it's only in Indiana. <laughs> More specifically, like, the greater Indianapolis. Uh, all that to say, I don't know if uh, our listeners have ever um, partook in Lent, and that's a whole other conversation that we'll have next time but tomorrow is ash wednesday do you guys know have you guys ever partook in ash wednesday i got to once actually with your papa i think only once though i don't know why i didn't go the other years (laughs) all right and uh i've never heard him called pop pop before but it's all right (laughs) well yes Um, no i didn't say pop pop i said pop papa Pop Pop is in the attic. <laughs> Pop Pop. <laughs> yeah, no, because uh, David. The mere reason that you call it that <laughs> tells me you're not ready. Anyway, uh, yeah, David's dad, Pastor Rob, was my pastor in undergrad. Um, and so Ash Wednesday is the uh, kickoff, as it were, for Lent. Uh, and it's a season to prepare our hearts for uh, the coming Christ. But that's another conversation. But tomorrow is Ash Wednesday. And in case you don't know, Ash Wednesday is a day where you impart or put on. uh, (laughs) I would prefer you use the word impart, please. All right. Where uh, a cross is imparted upon either your head or your hand. The uh, cross that is imparted upon you is made of ash and uh, oil, typically. Now, gentlemen, do you know where the ash is typically... uh, found or where the ash is supplied oh ooh, i know if you had to guess amazon no uh, <laughs> no where is the ash resourced from somehow you guys store the palm branches from last palm sunday and then you burn those palm branches and make ash for our foreheads that is correct no wow. one point for you sam you lose two points I was logging into Twitter. I'm sorry. <laughs> I forgive us. So what they do, and uh, yeah, you hold on to the uh, palms for Palm Sunday. Now, Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter. It's when we recognize the triumphal entry of Jesus into into the OG, OJ, 
original Jewish room. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> scratch that. <laughs> where Jesus makes his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and we wave palm branches, and we save those for a year until today. And today, or yesterday, if you're less, uh, if you think more ahead than me, uh, your pastor will burn the palm branches. Uh, and then turn them into ash, and then mix them with an oil, maybe an olive oil or something like that. Uh, it is a lot harder to burn those than you would think. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've, I've talked to some people, they'll buy, they literally will buy their ashes on Amazon or whatever, and it's normally like a really fine powder. The problem is, it takes so long to burn them, and like, there's always little twigs left in oh. like little, little things Oof. that don't burn well. So then now I'm like, I got to find a way to sift it out. So I'm like, do I need to be like a prospector and sift <laughs> out the little stuff? <laughs> shake a shake a shake a. And then the hardest part is always getting the right mixture because you have to put a little bit of oil in it to get it to stick. Mm. And then you can always put too much oil in it. So it's a whole thing. And then some people will put like a little bit of essential oil in it Ooh. to make it smell good, like a frankincense nice. or a, something like that. So then you're like, okay, I got to figure out how to get it to smell good. So who would have thought that burning palm branches mm. would be the most difficult part of my day? Well, this is so interesting because this is the part that I never think about. You know, that, like, uh, someone has to actually burn the ashes. And now I smell like I was smoking. Where were you doing this? In my backyard. Yeah. Last nice. year I did it here at the church. <laughs> um, well, the Okay, so last year was actually more difficult because no one had saved the palm branches. <laughs> so I just found some grass and burnt the grass around Dang. the church. I feel like you just, I feel like you scammed some people. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, uh, uh, dusty, uh, dusty shavater, and this is grass from uh, outside yeah, the yeah, door. Yeah, I, I, yeah, this is a uh, that's like getting sold fake AirPods or something. I mean, we got a big, big couple of pompous grasses outside. It that stuff burns like uh -huh. that. Yeah. Okay. So I guess you did so, do that this year, that. and that was going to work better for you than these palm branches. Honestly. Okay, so wait, where did you get the palm branches last year? Where do you guys get you palm branches? Yeah, from McNamara Florist, obviously. That's like a local florist that sells you palm yeah, branches? Yeah, I mean, okay, we're in the Bible Belt. They know to get thousands of palm branches sent to them around huh. Easter. That is interesting. so interesting because I, for Palm Sunday this year, went outside our church building and clipped off some branches. Yes. <laughs> that's how we always do it in Florida. <laughs> yeah. Br bring no. your own. BYOB, bring your own we branches. Do it, we do it big because they get the full. I know there's very. I I love trees. I don't count. Uh, palms are not technically a tree. That's up for debate. Wait, what? Um, that's, they're closely related to uh, a, I think a grass than actual trees. That's a separate podcast. Yeah, I, I refuse to believe that. Palm tree, it's in the name. All that to say, I don't know much about palm plants. Uh, but I've had it before where you get the long, almost like sword-like one where you can slap your cousin with it. But then here at, at Union, everyone got like a branch that was like as big as your face and had like six or eight fronds coming off of it. So I think there's camps, like some people are big, like I want the big long one <laughs> so you can reach like two pews ahead of you or they like the full leaf well, to like fan themselves like royalty. I just want whatever was actually used by Jesus. So I'll have what he's having. Get me the original <laughs> branch, please. Yeah. 
You, I'm sure that's. In, I think that's in the Museum of the Bible. Mmm. <laughs> Good. Or, or the British people stole it. Oh, of course, it's man. In the, in the British Museum. Dang, boom roasted. Lots <laughs> of folks. <laughs> come, come at me, BBC. And the British. <laughs> wow. Yeah, your former royalty can't even sell a book. I saw they're selling for like cheap now. Oh dear. Yeah. I would like to, but we don't. Yeah, that's another podcast. Yeah, I'd have I don't to talk, want about to talk about that about book it. too. <laughs> but oh, anyway, well, that's great. I hope you guys have a really sweet time tomorrow. What does your Ash Wednesday service look like? So, uh, thank you for asking. No one ever asks. <laughs> uh, um. It's it's a very sweet time. It's very somber. It's one of your more. It's almost like a Good Friday kind of somberness to it. Uh, the phrase that some people use is "From ash you came to ash you shall return." The one I would rather do is "Repent and believe the gospel." Mm. Is what you say to everyone as they come up and you you sign of the cross mm. on their head. I like the gospel a lot, so I'm gonna probably say that one instead. Yeah. Come at me, ecumenical churches. <laughs> You can't touch me. Well, you guys are non-denominational now, so you can do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, former United Methodist. Come at me. Oh, David Almost is making enemies today. <laughs> yeah, man. He's just from, like... the, from the BBC to the yeah. bishop himself. <laughs> yeah. I'm just... untouchable. Wow. So, uh, wow. the time that I went and worshipped uh, for Ash Wednesday at uh, Upland UMC with your dad he needed some help putting ashes on people's foreheads and so he invited me to come up and uh impart the ashes upon the foreheads and it was crazy because i'd never even been to one of these services before i'd never even seen this done before and he was saying dust you are and dust you shall return and Mm -hmm. and i i had never seen this before and so i felt like that's so dark and so i was Doing it on people's foreheads, and I I changed the line, and I said, "No, dust you are, and dust you shall return, if not for Christ." Oh, <laughs> there it is. And Rob was like oh right next goodness. to me, but he, he must not have heard me say it, or if he did, he was like, "Ah, whatever." But it was just so funny <laughs> that like <laughs> I had never seen this before, and I'm doing it, but I felt uncomfortable with a literal Bible verse I, that God said. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's like, this can't be right. I think we're going to change. I think we got to change the scripture thing. This whole love and your enemy thing. Let's, uh, let's change it. Add something. Yeah. So. Oh, that's funny. So. All right. We're back. <laughs> so anyway, that's awesome. Uh, we, this week, Sam, you've just had so many thoughts. You called me the other so day. You're thoughts. like, I just I just have to talk about stuff. I just have so many thoughts. And so we're like, yes, we need to talk more. It's a good thing we have a podcast. Because yeah. we have plenty of time to talk. So Sam, why don't you just tell us like some of the things that you've been thinking about, things that have been on your mind. Oh my god. We gotta do our wait, we gotta do our stinger. What's Sam thinking about? <laughs> Just as we planned. Thank you. Um yeah. There's something in the air. There's something in the air, boys. 
in its revival. Mm. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's the the acid from the uh, Ohio. Oh train. yeah, <laughs> that there's also pollution in our rivers. Oh but no, those are two different things. No, hey, yeah, we're picking up so many other content. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's not it. No, yeah, I um, we the three like the three of us been texting. I've just been watching this Asbury thing continue to go on. Um. What's today? Tuesday, the 21st. Mardi Gras, yeah. Um, tomorrow will be two weeks straight. Tomorrow will be two weeks straight. And, I mean, I feel like everybody and anybody in our world, like everybody's talking about this, so I don't know how much new that we'll have to have to say that hasn't already been said. Um, but, yeah, I was talking to you, Noah, the other day, and just, like, I have no, co- like, point of reference for anything like this happening. Like, I have never in my life, you know? I don't – there's so many um, – questions like uh, two weeks what the heck do we do with this like what happens to the people that have been there what do we do with folks that have been driving for thousands of miles to participate in this thing like i don't know my mind's just been racing um and it's been really interesting i think there's some dynamics we've seen with social media then like major news networks trying to pick up revival like what the heck is going on so yeah i think there's um just a lot of different like reading about revival services and revival movements that have happened in church history. Um, and now maybe seeing something happening in the 21st century where like cable news exists and TikTok exists. It's like, whoa, <laughs> how does this, like, what, what are all these implications and what are all these things? So I don't know. I've just been excited to continue to pick the conversation back up because I think a lot's happened and a lot has continued to happen for the last week since we've talked. So definitely. Yeah. The biggest update has got to be that Asbury decided to close their campus to the public. You know, that uh, yesterday, I think, was their last public facing service. And from here on out, it is only uh, specific times now from seven to midnight. And it's only for college students. And then on Friday, February 24th, they are closing the campus completely. And they say on their website that they're encouraging and commissioning to others to go out and share what they've experienced and utilize other facilities for worship and gathering. So that's like a really interesting thing that you've had over 50,000 people come into this small town in Kentucky that has a population of 6,000 total to this little Christian school since February 8th, over two weeks, and they're deciding to push it off campus and push it somewhere else. So, what do you guys think about that? Yo, I have so many thoughts. Yeah! Yeah, I want to hear you, David. I'm, uh, yeah, I want to hear what you have to say, because I'm just, I'm mostly just curious and have thoughts too. Because, David, you went to Asbury. Like, you have a Master's in Divinity from this school. The school across the street. Yeah, okay, there's two Asbury's. <laughs> we didn't have a revival at my seminary. <laughs> <laughs> it was only the undergrads. Yeah, the holier ones. Um, y'all, I have been in the thick of it this week. Mm. Uh, watching, praying, reading, debating going down again, um, <clears throat> talking to friends who are going down again, talking to friends who live in that town. And there is... The problem is, okay, I'm going to start. Can I vent my first frustration? Yes. Is, I'll have a venti. I'll have a venti venti. Uh, every armchair theologian 
that's my that's one of my big frustrations are the armchair theologian the the Twitter sphere um, in the Twitter's verse um, you know ha- like it's not legit unless so and so says it's legit I had people this week so I told people <clears throat> man I don't want to dox myself but I had people that the the Thursday after it I said I told some people hey there's some cool stuff going on at Asbury this is great and I got kind of like shrugged off like okay. And then, you know, a week later, my favorite Instagram celebrity, Christian celebrity went, and now I know it's legit. And it's just like, <laughs> ugh. Uh, and so I, that's where I'm having to confess because I'm seeing people using this to build their network when the school itself is saying, we don't want a platform, but various social media Christian celebrities have been using this as a means to further their voice. Uh, and then I'm seeing churches who are using this uh, to create their own revival and to say, and which, you know, I want this work to continue, but the like hashtag Asbury Revival has come to Big Rock Solid Church of Northampton. <laughs> like, and so, a f- mm, man, okay, I'm going to say this and we may decide not to put it on, um, but I had churches in this area that I live, that I applied to about 100 churches in the greater Indianapolis area, okay? And uh, I got about two interviews, and one of those people I got an interview with was very begrudging about Asbury, and very reluctant about my MDiv from Asbury, and didn't, and I actually never got a call back, never got anything, and that same person has now hosted an Asbury revival service at his church. Um, Oof. And like stealing the branding? I, yeah. And um, I find myself, because I was talking to my dad about this, and he said, you know, David, Jesus had a parable about this. <laughs> Which one? Said, yeah. I said, he said, do you remember the story about the hired hands who came, and the one man came at the beginning of the day, and then they hired more uh, and more people throughout preach. the day. And then oh, at man. the end of the day, right? At the end of the day, the, the one guy complained. And he said, did you not agree to get paid this amount? I said, no, this is not about me. (laughs) Shut up, dad. (laughs) And I, and that is the, I've had to be, this has been some serious work in my spirit uh, of like, no, we should celebrate what's going on. Mm. And I had no, like the Asbury thing, I'm celebrating, I'm so excited for these kids and all this kind of stuff. I went down there myself. I've been sharing videos, all I'm so excited for it. It's my heart is getting jaded towards people using this for their own Mm. means. And that's where I was challenged. It's like, you know, maybe I'm an early adapter. I was one of, you know, one of the earlier people down there. And God let me go. You know what I mean? And I have no business owning it. I have no business gatekeeping it. I'm being like the Pharisees. So that's what I wanted to get off my chest. Oh, well, I like that. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah. David feeling yeah. bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's been so many things that we've had to confront. You know, like last week after we got off this call, I just was so confronted with like my own unbelief that like I mm. wasn't believing that like this like could be a genuine like work of God and God could bring revival. And it just hit me like, why in the world am I doing ministry? Why in the world am I going to seminary if I like don't believe that God wants to change hearts and do it in like a supernatural yeah. way? And just feeling like so convicted, like, have I been operating under like my skills, my strategy, my abilities, like knowing the right way to do things 
and not like leaving space and like calling on God and saying, please, you know, mm-hmm. work like the, the desire for control, like can keep, can keep revival from happening. Yeah. And I think, I think that's like, what's been so beautiful, about the way that Asbury like faculty has really like stewarded this movement. You know, that they have not tried to make it all programmatic and they've not tried to control it. And they've not tried. Well, that's what I. And, yeah. Yeah. They've, yeah. They've not tried to, like, build a name for themselves or, like, make it a public thing for Asbury or PR for Asbury. Um, but just, like, they truly believe that this is God's work and that uh, they're just, you know, the place where God decided to do something. Well, here's what I love. Okay. One of. Um, the world's foremost New Testament scholars, his name is Craig Keener, Dr. Craig Keener. Um, he has written more books than anyone should ever read. And <laughs> this man was just a host. Like, he was just a greeter. He had a name tag on that said Usher, and he was just showing people to their seats. Mm-hmm. Right? This man knows more about the New Testament than anyone, basically. <laughs> and he is, he is just helping people find their seats. That is the servant leadership that I want to see in the world. Yeah, like I just saw yeah. this video. It says like a video announcement from uh, Dr. Kevin Brown, university president. And he's standing on the stage and he says, Hi, my name's Kevin. I work at the school. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Uh, you're the president of the university, right? You don't just work at the school. Right. But like, yeah, there's... And that's the, that that's it over and over again. That's what we keep seeing. That's the humility that I think is like what God is choosing to use. Or Louis Giglio sitting in the balcony. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, um, what's her name? Like, uh, Lindy Conton, Conton, Lindy, whatever, who's part of the circuit rider band. Or, um, who's the one that sings the, and their children, and their children. Carrie Job. <laughs> Who sings that one? Carrie Job. She, she was just sitting in the, in the balcony, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, that humility is really beautiful, but it's really interesting that Asbury is saying that their services are closed and campus is closed and that's going to be somewhere else. And that kind of like raises this question for me of like, who is going to host this now and how will they do it? Because like at the seminary, you've had like these professors and these leaders who are very humble. And like you were saying, David, like the guy was on the stage, like leading it and just like said, like, I'm just here to like, guide us along in what God is doing. But it wasn't like, I'm here to push my agenda or I'm here to lead us through a new sermon series. You know, it was just very like um, spirit led. And so now like say that like a church down the street opens their doors, like do they, are they going to lead it like in the same way? Are they going to feel the need to like make it more programmatic? Like what, where, do they go from here and like, how would we even know that? And should we even know that if it really is a work of God? It's a good question. I mean, the thing you have to remember, and this is what they've kept saying, is like, it's, it's a university, right? And the cool thing about a university in that way is like, they, like even um, Dr. Tennant spoke at chapel today and he was like, there's a miracle that happens when you continue to show up to class, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday for the semester and you learn about how to be a good pastor, right? And so to say like just because this iteration of this revival or outpouring is coming to a close doesn't mean that God is done. 
And so by those kids going to their class and and going back to normal, because that's the thing mm. I keep hearing people say, and I and I love is the mountaintop experience, mm. right? You have the tabernacle. They they go up the transfiguration. Jesus changes form, and what does Peter want to do? Ah, oh, build a tent and stay there forever. Right, and that is what people are are begging for. Can we just live? We all, can like, we just live in Hughes Auditorium? Because I yeah. want to be desperately in the presence of God. Right, wow. I want to sit in His presence. Mm. But uh, but you'll hear stories of like. You'll hear stories of people who die, and I'm not here to argue the validity of those stories, but when they say they go to heaven and they're like, I just want to stay here, but God will say, like, I got work for you to do. Um, and so people have experienced a bit of the kingdom, a bit of heaven with this worship service, so of course they want to stay, mm. but Jesus says we got to go down the mountain, right? Well, and that's even like built into how the original tabernacle functioned, right? Like originally the, it was a mobile unit. Like the temple wasn't plan a plan a is the tabernacle. Mm. Like is this mobile unit that moves with God's people that isn't stationary. <laughs> um, the, it's like, no, like we're going to take this thing and you're going to experience me and we're going to go. But yeah, that like the idea, I think we, um, we're probably more prone to the, idea of just wanting to be stationary in one place mm. and just like experience God in that one place. Um, but God's nature is always sending his nature is always like, let me, let, I want to, I'm, I want you to experience me in the sending. I'm, I'm going to be with you in it. And I'm like, it's not, and it's not one or the other, but um, I think that I think there's a lot of wisdom and a lot of relinquishing of control mm. for the university to say, yeah, um, we probably could keep, it seems like we could keep going, but we know that we need to send, like we need to for X, Y, and Z reason, but we got like, we got to go. We can't just stay here. We can't just be here in this forever. It's, um, it's so it's not true time for that. God always sends his people out. Like the worship of him should drive us to yeah. people who don't yet know him and need to worship him, you know? And, and the history of, like, especially the Asbury revivals is <clears throat> the kids and people who were there were sent out. And many revivals often broke out to where those people were sent. Um, you have these different experiences at, at different times where students from this go and share and tell the story that they, they experienced. And a similar outbreak or outpouring occurs. Um, and I think, I think there's something to that because taste and see come and see the lord is good and like come and see this man who told me everything about myself like yeah. there's this desire of this invitational thing and to an extent this brings us to the conversation i think we'll have is the age of social media in a revival um but i saw noah's hand so i'd like to hear well, his before we move i on. i am going there because you because asbury does have this history of revivals they had one in 1970 right and the the phrase i keep hearing with the asbury revival in 1970 is it spread to to the nation, like it spread across America. And so I'm interested, like, how did the revival spread? And then like, how are we seeing this revival or outpouring spread today? And then how is like social media being a part of that, I think is really interesting. And in a question, like Sam and I were wondering, are people just copycatting? Are people just stealing the branding? Or like, is God genuinely moving because we're seeking after him? So do you know, David, like how did like Asbury Revival, like 1970, like spread to the nation? Why do we say that it spread? Yeah, great question. Um, they literally they would load up 
buses and vans and everything in between um, and go to different churches. They would, you know, like, oh, this uh, this church has an Asbury alum, so they have that connection. And they'd go there and tell that story. Um, and then I don't know if you guys have seen the advertisements uh, for the movie that comes out this Friday, the Jesus movie. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus Revolution. Revolution. Yeah. Yes, and there I don't I haven't I can't remember the full story, but there is a strong correlation between those two, because the Jesus Revolution movie says it started in 1969, and there is a correlation between the Asbury revival and the Jesus movement. Um, you'll have to watch the movie. Yeah, because <laughs> I've heard about the Jesus movement, but I don't necessarily know that I know what it is aside from like the beginning of like contemporary Christian worship music. <laughs> That's that's all that I picture, basically. Like, uh, yep. I just like, know I got Stephen Curtis Chapman out of it. Hippies, so. and them hippies. hippies becoming evangelicals. Yeah. That's kind of all I know with Je- the Jesus movement. I think that yeah. counts. I, I that's, that's pretty that's much it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, Do you know anything more than that, David? <laughs> um, no, I've been trying to find some research. So, my, I was again. T- maybe we should have had my dad on because he has a history of going to revival meetings. Um, so a big one was called the Toronto blessing. I don't know if you guys have heard of that one before, mm-hmm. but that was a very big one. Um, and that one was, is more similar to what's going on at Asbury, a sweet spirit type of thing. And then there was a big one down in Florida called the Brownsville revival. Have you guys heard of that one? No, no, that one is what a lot of people, uh, when they think when they have negative connotations towards a revival, and they think of weird things, that's what happened there. Oh. Um, like puke buckets and things like that. Mm. Uh, a lot more rambunctious. Where the Toronto Blessing, the Asbury Revival are going to be more similar in that like sweet spirit. Um, and so my dad went to the Toronto Blessing, and then he also went to the Brownsville, Brownsburg, I forget, something in Florida, uh, revivals. And I think that to go to that, they all have this history of like i experienced something i gotta tell people Mm. and so like if you've seen apparently stuff is going on at baylor university right now Mm. um i don't know if you guys have seen there have been i hate the word outbreaks covid ruined the term outbreaks but there have been (laughs) spiritual outbreaks of (laughs) renewal and revival movements across the united states um have you guys heard about this at all no um i've just seen people this is I, – I might have to chime in with some skepticism here in a minute. But I've just seen some – I've only seen like people post, you know, like, oh, there's, you know, spiritual uprising, like whatever happening at XYZ Place 2 here now. So, yeah. Well, give me your uh, little skepticism there, buddy. Oh, <laughs> no. I mean it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Uh, the Here's my anecdotal – from my own life that has kind of spurred some skepticism for me. So I was talking to a coworker about the, uh, like what's happening at Asbury. Um, and they're not like, they're not like an active follower of Jesus or anything. Uh, so they pulled out their phone to, I was like, yeah, look it up. It's pretty power. There's some like, I, th- I believe God's doing a really cool thing right now. And the first video that they pulled up, um, it was like a guy throwing money like on the stage and like saying stuff and they were kind of off put by that. And they scrolled to the next video and it was, you know, the title was like woman, woman delivered from demonic, you know, and that's the next video. And they were immediately kind of like, just like done. 
And my heart was like, oh, crap. Like the people who are not spiritually sensitive or who are already skeptical. Um, here, Okay, here's where I think the difference of where we are now is really unique because of the age that we're living in. If I have a spiritual experience at a revival, the only way for me to communicate what happened is for me to invite you and for me to like implore you to go and participate and hear the word preached, like show up and like put, put yourself in a posture of like receiving to be there. And now like, even for me, just like the nature of how we talk to people, I'm like, yeah, look it up. And it, uh, if all of looking up a church service, if COVID taught us anything, right? Like looking up a service online and actually going to one in person mm. are two very different things. So I think there's some fear for me that I, th- I really see people who are already maybe um, all about it, like already want to see God do something are just like, yes, I'm in. You don't need to sell me on anything. But I feel like there's a whole nother group of folks who maybe are like, hurt by the church right right now who have walked away from the faith who see revival breaking out and that's not their posture their posture is not excitement and what they see on like they don't they don't like have to go there to experience it they just see glimpses on social media um and yeah i th- just all the dangers of live streaming such powerful spiritual experiences yeah. like that i just think we don't really know the implications I I could just see how it could be even more divisive where the people mm. who are already on board with this whole, with like people like us, people who are maybe in the Christian camp and just want to see, um, you know, the spirit manifest in more tangible ways are just like, yes, run it. Like take over the campuses, take over the nation. Like let's do it. But then the people who have walked away from the faith or the people who are not curious I don't know, like at least in my little tiny pocket of the world um, are maybe had their hackles up a little more and are a little more like, "Ah, I don't know about this. So yeah, that's just some, that's some stuff I've been chewing on this past week. Yeah. Even like Googling revival, you know how like the people also ask comes up and it tells you like, what are, what are people, what are people talking about right now? So the first one that came up is what is the literal meaning of revival? Mm. What does revive mean in the Bible? What happens during a revival? So I think, yeah, a lot of people probably like are hearing like news, like the Fox News and the Washington Post are saying the word revival. People magazine said religious revival. People are probably like, what the heck is a revival? Like, Sam, you were saying that this is like the first revival that's gotten like this major attention in the age of social media. You know, like the yeah. first Great Awakening, Second Great Awakening, Asbury Revival 1970 didn't have social media and TikTok videos. And like, it's very interesting that like it was able to like attract this much attention that 50,000 people would want to go visit Asbury's campus. But then it's also kind of like a a strange question of like, how how do people take in seeing these kind of things online I, or even the school's decision to not allow live streaming too that was so interesting yeah. i saw that it said live streaming is not allowed from cell phones inside and i mean that's how i had been which watching. i didn't know that because i saw so many live streams i saw so many tiktoks <laughs> you know? and videos and- so so they they went about a week until they decided that and then this oh the thing that annoyed me so much <laughs> is people after that week people were restreaming 
the week prior's recordings and oh my gosh they were live. so if you watched something in the last week that wasn't official it was someone replaying a service from the week prior so you got Man. fooled yeah that does really yeah, seem like they're trying to like bank on like because i i i uh, messaged some of those people who are running those pages like someone started an asbury revival facebook page so i messaged some of them and uh they're like, yeah, we're just reposting it. <laughs> <laughs> that just really does but, feel uh, like they're trying to gain a, a platform and an audience based that's on why I'm saying what it. God is doing. Yeah. Oh, don't the Twitter verse right now is the worst. Place. That Twitter verse. Because yeah. you see every armchair. Which and I just I need to say that we are like doing the same thing right now. We're on a we are, are we on a podcast. Talk, we we are <laughs> No, cuz I've been there. <laughs> I'm just saying and, and to some extent, I just want to recognize that we I are know. also hopping on our feeds to talk about it, but we're different. Yeah, we're we're <laughs> just trying to start our podcast. We don't even have a platform. Yeah, if you're listening yeah, we're just to trying this, to bounce off of this. It is incredible. Oh so man. Allegedly, apparently it was on the front page of Reddit. Really? Um, and someone said it was something along the lines of like religious extremists. Oh, interesting. Um, that... Like nuts. But then a lot of people came and said like, no, like I'm an atheist and this doesn't seem like religious nuts and stuff like that. So that was kind of an in- interesting thing. But yeah. In case you don't know, it was on Tucker Carlson. Uh, and he got sh- he got asked to not come to campus. I don't know if you guys heard that. I did hear that. And that he, they like contacted and said, we want to send a team to go you know, record and stuff like that. And the school officials said, please don't come. This is a work of God. And it's not supposed to be a media circus. And Tucker Carlson on the air, like to his credit said, we won't go. We're going to respect that because they said, this is a work of God and that it's not about this. No- Building a platform. Exactly. So that is really interesting. Uh, it was on CNN, NBC, K-Love, <laughs> Moody, uh, where else did you guys see it picked up? Like major news. Everybody. I don't know. I just like that K-Love came right after CNN. You know, all the <laughs> reputable sources. CNN, all the reputable K-Love. sources. Yeah. Um, that is funny. So, and uh, yeah, I think my, 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 my point I wanted to too is too, is looking on, on Twitter it's very interesting because you have people who've never who don't have a context for one renewal or revival. Yeah. yeah. Two, you don't have a context for the Wesleyan holiness tradition that both of these institutions come out of. Okay, so um, what do you mean? For a lot Yeah, good question. For a lot of people, um, they only will know of Methodism because it's a dead church in their town. Right? <laughs> They've seen the building, but no one really they, goes they there. Voted, do they? they voted in there or something. Yeah. <laughs> I can say that, Burn, because I am a recovering Methodist. Um, <laughs> but Wesleyan holiness is uh, a, a branch of Protestantism uh, and even borderline evangelicalism where we, I will say we, not you guys, me uh, and the rest of us, uh, it's an idea of of our faith is something that we continue to um, work out. We we think that you know you make that sinner's prayer the first time you say yes to Christ, but then we also believe that 
salvation is something we continue to strive towards, and we continue to strive towards entire sanctification. Now, some people in the Wesley holiness thing say that you can become entirely sanctified, i.e. that you're free from sin. Some people don't. Uh, but the goal is to move away from your sinful self, away from the desires of the flesh, the, the ways that bring us apart from God, and to, to continue to say yes to Christ. And in the and in the Wesleyan holiness tradition, we celebrate these means of grace or the things that mm. draw us closer to God. Yeah. Uh, and some of those are service of the poor. You know, some of that is caring for the needy. Some of that is reading your Bible. And then a big one of that is that deepening of your faith where revival often comes out of. Um, we celebrate, and that's why even when they were doing some of their altar call time, they talked about, you know, who here only, you know, if you've, if you've said yes to Christ, but you're almost a Christian, like, you're not living like it. Like, you're giving God 99% of yourself, but not 100% of yourself. And that's a very common ideology within at least the holiness movement is I want to give God everything that I am. Mm. And so in that revival movement, it's like, oh, we're finding more of ourselves to give to God. We're and it's not this it's not this workspace thing, but it's mm -hmm. like we want to continue to pursue Christ mm -hmm. in everything that we have. And so I see on Twitter a lot of the more reformed camps and the the hard Calvinists are having a hard time wrapping their minds around this in the sense of, you know, Scripture doesn't inherently say how to do a revival, right? There's no, no – Paul never says, in order for a revival, you need this, this, and this. Um, and Tim so Keller wrote an article. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, so people are having a hard time understanding this idea of, like, you know, there's a reason in my camp we, we joke and call y'all the frozen chosen, Right. Once saved, always saved, so there's no more work to be done, mm. right? And so for people in my camp, our, our goal, like that's why there's this holiness movement is... To move to toward holiness. The righteousness. Exactly. Uh, and even you'll see on social media, people are posting the, the, the thing on top of Hughes Chapel that says, Holiness unto the Lord. Uh, and so this whole idea of we want to be more and more like the person Christ created us to be in. From that, it has to be death to ourselves every day choosing that. And so that's where I think some people have had a hard time with this coming out of a holiness tradition. Um, and people are having their a hard time wrapping their, their minds around it. Um, the other thing is, and this will be a conversation for another time, is um, the institutions of, of Asbury Seminary and University um, are, uh, they, they celebrate women in ministry. And that is part of the Wesleyan tradition as well. Uh, and it's a beautiful thing in the Wesleyan tradition. But a lot of people have a really hard time with that. Um, and that's where, if you have a hard time with that, I would highly encourage you, go to facebook.com slash Asbury Seminary Chapel. And Dr. Timothy Timmett did a wonderful sermon today talking about the scriptural understanding of why women in ministry, basically. So go check it out if you want to. Uh, see that, but that's something that people are having a hard time. So they're there are people trying to cancel the school because they have the dean of the chapel is a woman, and there's been women speaking on the stage at Hughes. Um, yeah, that's yeah. that's so interesting to me because number one, they're spontaneous worship services, you know. So I can even imagine in like a Baptist context that doesn't necessarily that does not believe that women can be pastors, women still like sharing testimonies, teaching, giving a, a, giving a word in like a spontaneous service like that, you yeah. know, but to be frustrated at a school that like has 
uh, like specifically outlined on their on their website like this is our theological conviction is like i mean come on what what do you expect they have literally stated right. this is what they believe and so they're doing it and god seems to be working in a big way so you know what well yeah. the uh, the other one and again this could be something we could cut out depending on is there have been some students on twitter who are students at the seminary and the university who are, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the correct terminology, basically, uh, either, he would classify himself as queer, that's the term he uses, celibate queer, right, that's the term he puts on his Twitter, and he's a student there, and to me, the defining characteristic there is the term celibate, right? Yeah. And so the seminary and the university have a traditional view of, of, of um, sexuality and marriage and things like that, however... We believe with a you know celibacy in singleness in whatever way you want to you know you're you're, yeah. you're finding yourself attracted. It's the it's the acting upon it, right? That's what the seminary and the university will say. It's the you know same sex attractiveness when you're not acting upon it and you're taking celibacy in the midst of it is is where those institutions are going to align themselves. And so the problem is there have been students who on Twitter who are. Um, celibate and maybe same-sex attracted or whatever um people are ridiculing them and they're like tweeting at the president like get this kid out of the school and stuff like, like trying to like basically the term i'll use is an episode of the office called gay witch hunt <laughs> and that is what it looks like is happening is people are like this kid can't be at this school type of thing um which uh, yeah that's crazy the twitter armchair so we people. don't have to include we don't have to include this in the in the podcast, but I just thought it was a um, just an interesting. Every time you say maybe we shouldn't include this, it's always something very important and good. Ah, well, it's it's <laughs> so funny that people like are seeing an outpouring of God's spirit and then trying to discredit it because well, that school has students who <laughs> like call themselves celibate queers, you know, <laughs> or they have women up front preaching. Or, you know, there's so many reasons to, like, discredit. But, yeah, yeah, the question comes down to, like, are we going to see God? Like, do we want to see God work? Yeah. As, man, I, I'll say this. Keep it in the podcast. As a, I mean, as a straight, white, middle-class, Baptist, like, ordained, like, in the church, guy speaking, um, I just think we got to I feel like there's a lot of insecurity surfacing for some folks hmm. because God is moving through people and in places that they are not and that they don't approve of and um like I don't know I've had to say to myself like am I okay if revival comes in Louisville Kentucky but like what if I don't get to be a part of it. Like, what if I never touch the stage? Like, what if I'm not even there? But, like, revival breaks through. Like, wouldn't that be a really beautiful thing Mm -hmm. if I never touched the microphone and God moved? Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's where there's a lot of, like, and I, I, you know, I have, (laughs) I affirm, you know, a traditional view on marriage. Like, I'm a very, like, conservative person. But I just like what I feel like we're seeing God do something 
that is so outside of the categories that we have placed him in. Mm-hmm. And then for us to go, ah, that's not right for these reasons. is just really scary to me mm-hmm. because um, I think that's exactly what the Pharisees were doing all throughout Jesus's ministry. Like, wait, you're healing on the Sabbath. Like <laughs> that is like the biggest known, like, what are you doing? Like, wait, did you just talk to that Samaritan woman and mm-hmm. tell her to go and invite others? Like, there's so many times Jesus did that where our, like the religious, you know, leaders, the religious institutions of the day looked at him and said, dang, that is really outside of the box. That is really different than what we were expecting. And then he would flip it and say, actually, this is the kingdom of God. Like, I'm here to show you breaking through like, what it is that is breaking through. So I just think. That's where I've just really had to wrestle and honestly just try to be quiet more. Cause there's a lot, like I'll see things and I'll go, I don't know. Or what about this? That makes me uncomfortable. But, um, I also just know so little and have such a small view of what God is doing in the world that bar- far be it for me to, to like, you know, put the boundary walls up to say, well, nope, God will not and cannot move past this point or something. So that's what has gotten me. Like just dang, we are pretty, we can be pretty proud sometimes when we're like, no, we have it figured out. I've got it figured out in my little corner. And I say that as, you know, I'm speaking from a place of having, <laughs> acting like I'm figuring it out, but I don't know. That's just like a, um, I think that's just a caution I want to raise for all of us just to go. Um, I don't want to be all loosey goosey, like anything goes, I'm not there, but yeah, I want to be I want to be somebody that is willing to be surprised by God in my life. Um, so that's a good word, Pastor Sam. Yeah, brother Sam, brother brother Sam. That's uh, yeah, I think that's an encouraging because that's where like I even found myself like, man, I wish I would have been down in Wilmore more and helping out. And we talked about driving down there to go serve, and I'm like, no, God is that God doesn't need me. You know what I mean? Huh. Like. He's he's raising up leaders on campus to help because I was like, oh, I can go, I'll go help with sound or clean the toilets or whatever, you know, greeting team. And then I looked because I'm part of some Facebook groups and they're like, you know, here's the sign up genius to help. And they were all full. Oh, wow. Wow. And I was like, all right. All right, God. I get it. Yeah. You don't need me. Hmm. You don't need me. And I think that was actually one of my favorite um, moments in this whole experience. Um. And I think, you know, the problem is I'm coming at it. It's like, oh, it's my alma mater. And like, but I'm like, no, like I should like, I should be able to like, if it's happening at a Baptist church, praise the Lord it's happening at. And that's where I, um, I told you guys about my friend who he helped start a revival in Wilmore at the Baptist church. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we should be celebrating the move of God wherever it's at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, there is room to say like, yeah, is this legitimate? You know, it says to test stuff and make sure we don't have false teachers amongst us. Always. Um, and that's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, but we should also be looking for God to move and change people's hearts. Um, that's my, my goal is, is to see that. And that's where, um, I was even thinking like communion. So in the Methodist church, um, we believe communion can be a converting ordinance. That means that you're you're basically salvif- it could be salvific, right? Your first time taking communion can be your your moment of uh, of, of salvation. Yeah, not by the act of eating it, right? 
but just by right. Jesus but, meeting you there. Right. And so we don't always make a huge clarification that you have to be a Christian to partake in in communion, right? And so I think for me it's that idea of like that's that's some people have a hard time with that, but the reason I bring that up is to say, you know, maybe maybe a move of God is happening in a place that I don't always agree with or or you know, a movement of God is happening at a church that I don't like, right? But we serve a God bigger than that, and it can be a converting ordinance. It can be a saving grace at an experience that we would never have guessed God could have used for his glory and for people to have their hearts changed for him. Um, that's a bit off the rails of a, of a metaphor, but I, I hope you see what I'm trying to say in that. What do you think comes next? Where do we go from here? You know, it's a great question. Yeah, I wonder. Can I? Oh, I just wonder. You what, go first. I wonder what the people who like had traveled from far away did today. You know. Like when they were Sam, told... I think you can answer that. Didn't you look at Twitter? Is there anything on Twitter right now? Oh yeah, what are, what are the people on Twitter uh, saying? But like that just they a like bunch of BS. They had been in the in the room, and then they were told that it's closed and that you, it's over and you need to go somewhere else. Like, did they like think, oh my gosh, God is done with us, or did they like mm-hmm. feel motivated to go home and share? Or did they go to a building across the street? Or like, I just, I don't know like what happened. And I'm, I'm interested. From what I read earlier today is that people were still hanging out on the lawn. Just praising and worshiping and praying out on the lawn. Uh, as far as an immediate thing. I don't know if that's still happening right now. But at one point I read that after Hughes was closed, people were still in that lawn. The interesting thing, and this is, this, I don't know, there used to be this huge Christian concert that happened in Wilmore called Ichthus. <laughs> it's like a Christian Christian Woodstock. And there's this huge, huge like campground and concert venue just down the street from the seminary, or from the university. And I have no idea why they're not opening that up. Oh, that <laughs> so could be the spot. If, if you're the owner of Servant Heart Farms and you're listening to this podcast... Hello. Why don't you open your doors? <laughs> Let the movement name, of God. I think his name is don't, Joe. D- don't dox Joe. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah. I think I have his number. Oh, my God. No, what the heck? What What do you have, Sam? Yeah, so what happens next? Um, I have, like, probably a cynical answer and then, like, the Jesus juke answer mm. about, like, you know, the Jesus Duke answer is like, well, we didn't know this was coming. So who the heck knows what the, what's coming next? Like, I don't know. Like making predictions about where the spirit's going to move is like guessing where the wind's going to blow. Right. That's what Jesus would say. Literally. So literally. So 
there's an element of like, I don't know. I, we can make our predictions and just admittedly all be wrong. So just accepting that for more of just like, um, if I had to take a guess just based on trends or stuff, um, the cynical side of me is just expecting that shoot. I don't know. I think in the American church, we have a problem with taking something good and then trying to package it and re redistribute it and conform it to uh, systematize it so that we can like make it happen again, mm. I guess. Like the, um, <laughs> I mean, how many podcasts are going to come out of this thing where it's like, here, all right, how to cultivate revival in your place, which how many, how many 10 step guides to making revival happen are going to come out? How many, you know, like how many, like just how are we going to just try to force something that can't be forced mm. and, and mask it with programming and mask it with like maybe some things that are good, but just not the same. I don't know. That's that's kind of where my I'm just worried that. Okay, what I feel like I saw from a distance at Asbury was really a no. This theme has come up a lot, but just like the letting go of control. Like there's undergrad kids, students leading this thing, and that's that's got to be really hard for professors and people that have been there and praying for this for decades. To even like hand that off to somebody and say, okay, like run with it. Um, and I think my hope would be it would continue to spread if the church and leaders in the church were willing to let go and say, all right, spirit, like move how you want to move. Mm. And if that means me putting on, like I'm the lead pastor of this thing, but if that means me becoming an usher, then I'll be an usher. If that means like that the student ministry is going to, you know, lead us through a revival service. So I, I feel like that's what would need to happen if this was going to continue to spread is like the church in whatever way that it looks like in, in their context to kind of stop white knuckling the, like the controls of how church needs to move and function and just kind of release a little bit and say, all right, God, we want to be open to you moving and yeah, I don't know. And that's mysterious. That's like kind of, that's not a, that's not a five step plan for what you need to do. It just needs to be worked out in your context and in community. But yeah, yeah, those are the two things that I would, I would say who the heck knows. And I'm scared. It's just going to try to get repackaged and redistributed and then just kind of fizzle or morph into something where revival services are just going to be scheduled again and yeah stuff. that's one of my big like research questions i would like to do is like how do movements become institutions you know yeah um how is it that like you have a time when you know the gospel is spreading rapidly and then it becomes much more rigid and then the gospel doesn't spread as rapidly <laughs> you know how do you go from the apostles like on pentecost to the roman catholic church you know, like, uh, yeah. how do you go from the church planting movement of the UMC in the 1800s to an organization trying to 
sustain itself in the 2020s. You know, mm-hmm. it's just, I, I've seen it happen so many times. And I just kind of wonder, like, if there's a way to maintain gospel movement or if the way that God does it is he just starts fresh with someone new. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. If I think... Go, Sam. Sorry. No, I... Uh, I <laughs> my... I just want to, like... I hear you say that, Noah. My cross... I cross my arms and go, because of money. <laughs> like, just... The, the temptation to profit off of, I mean, wow. like when you've got thousands of people coming to a building for something, I would say the, I don't know, just shooting from the hip, do movements become institutions when we start trying to profit off of them? Like, wow. yeah, uh, which can lead into our, another conversation for future time about like, you know, bivocational ministry and stuff. But yeah, I think that's, there. Um, yeah. I pulled up, yeah, I pulled up this article from, Premier Christianity. I was just curious about these type of movements in other countries. This this article is from 2019, talking about church growth in China. Mm. Just this quick quote. The church has grown from about 1 million believers at the advent of communism in 1949 to around 100 million believers today. Yeah. Just like crazy growth yeah. happening in other countries. Yeah. Under and communism, in persecution. Under communism. Like under just unthink- things that we're like – so so foreign to us, yeah. like structures of government and stuff. But I, yeah, I think this is bringing out to me. I feel like our Western temptation to like take a movement, try to turn it into something. Then we start making full time jobs out of it. We Sell start making, t-shirt. yeah, we start selling T shirts. We have radio stations that, and like, we have all this this infrastructure around a movement, and now we've lost the movement. We just have this infrastructure. For ministry or something. <laughs> or something. And maybe we've lost... Th- what did you say? I said, or something. Or something, yeah. But, I mean, maybe we need to take a, take a page out of the book of some of our brothers and sisters around the world who we have something to learn from who aren't building structures in the same way. They're just letting it flow out and person to person, house to house. And maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, maybe know. what kills institutions is... Full-time pastors. <laughs> Every, how many, everybody just stops. No, maybe. No. No, I really um, do want to talk about let's that. Let's do a walkout. Yeah. Everyone do a walkout. <laughs> no, no, no. I want I to talk about that on another day. And I know we've said that as like, we have to talk about it. But like, yeah, the movements around the world are happening because nobody is like the point leader and nobody's being paid to do the Christian life. Everybody is just living it out together. And so you share responsibility more, you know? Yeah. How Quaker of you? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm turning into a Quaker. <laughs> um, you guys got me thinking about this. And <clears throat> I wanted to share this um, covenant prayer with you. Is that okay? Please. Will, will you allow it? I'll allow it. So this is a prayer that... Um, the early early Methodist pastors were um, asked to pray before they became clergy, mm. and they were asked to pray this every year. So it's the Wesleyan uh, Covenant Prayer. And what you guys were saying just was like, bang, 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 keep on thinking of that. So, I'm no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt, rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. 
Let me be employed by thee, or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee, or brought low for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine, and I am thine. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Amen. And I think that prayer is just so essential because I love the line of like, let me be employed by thee or put aside by thee. Like, mm. it's, it's literally giving everything you have. Your time, your talent, everything you have, giving it to God and saying, this is all yours. So if, if you want me to be idle, I'll be idle. If you want me to be at work, if you want me to be working with people I don't like, whatever, I want to be yours. And I think that's a really, uh, for me, that's a very impactful uh, prayer. Yeah, I'm useful or I'm disposable. It's up to you. Mm. Yeah. So staircase to somewhere. What is one takeaway from this meandering conversation? What can we learn based on where we're at. Don't, don't try to control God, right? Boom. Uh, yeah. That was that was my takeaway was like, oh, God needs me at this movement, right? I I, I need to be there to, to help. No, I don't. God, God was raising up leaders down there. He didn't need me. Lay me aside. Mm. Mm. For me, it's just learning more about movement like movements of God, movements of the gospel. Yeah, I'd want to say, and how we foster them, but maybe it's just more, how do we pray for them? <laughs> how do we seek them instead of trying to build build them? Because I think that's how we, yeah, we end up with our institutional programmatic. I'm just looking forward to the books. That would be... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how to revive. Yeah. Um, Ten lessons from the Asbury Revival. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, well, I mean, what you guys just said, the, the theme of letting go of control into maybe qualifying some of the things I was talking about earlier too. It's not just like letting go. It's not just letting go for the sake of having like nothing to hold on to. It's like letting go of these things so that we can um, hold on to Jesus. Like just um, letting go of opinions and preferences and preconceived ideas of what we think things should be like in order for them to be right and comfortable or whatever, like letting go of that stuff so that we can hold on to um, this resurrected savior hmm. that is putting the world back together in a way that we are just we're, we're called to be a part of but is also so beyond us wow. that we can just we just have to be a part of it we can't be in charge of it we can't be like um we can't be the point man we just got to fall behind him so yeah letting go of control but not just so we can be free floating but so that we can hold on to him that's it that's exactly it. That was a staircase to somewhere. And we thank you all so much for joining us on this conversation. I wish you all a very, uh, we don't say happy Lent, do we? What do we say? Uh, you bury your hallelujah. So, mm, what? Uh, a very sad yeah, to... and mournful yeah. Lent as you <laughs> have a 
bad day. As you were- make sure to. You- Make sure to use the code hashtag Asbury Revival to get 10% off of your tuition at Asbury. Oh, man. Use the promo code below. Uh, That's how we get paid. And that just turned this movement of Staircase to Nowhere into an institution. We hope you'll join us again next week. (laughs) See y'all later. Cut. See ya.